Hey, how you doing? I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. It is the 17th of December, day 17 of Daniel Ruiz Tyson's Advent Calendar. 24 daily podcasts to take you right up to Christmas as I look to see if it is possible for me to ever love Christmas again like I did back in my younger days. Whatever happens now over the next eight days... If I haven't quite taken the hand of Christmas after feeling like I caught sight of it last week on South Lambeth Road, I feel like I'm not too far behind. If I fail to grasp it this Christmas, I think I've done a fair bit of legwork now. And maybe next Christmas, if I'm inclined, I'll get closer. I've certainly opened the door, I think, a little to re-engaging with the festive period with a a new appreciation for my golden age Christmases, an understanding of why they came to an end, and heartened, I think, by realising that in the lost Christmases of 2008 to 2013, that maybe over those Christmases I perhaps experienced the true spirit of Christmas. During those golden age Christmases, the countdown comics would really be picking up the pace, By now I would be in a state of feverish excitement. The greatest day of the year, Christmas Eve, was hoven into view. The radio and TV Times by now would have arrived at Mayflower. Back in the day, remember, the Radio Times only covered BBC One and Two. And I would have bookmarked everything I planned on watching up to Christmas Eve. I wouldn't bother with Christmas Day, but I'd start circling programmes from Boxing Day onwards as I attempted to overcome my melancholy once my least favourite day of the year was over. I would have been taping the top 40 charts on a Sunday evening and overplaying my favourite songs and my Walkman. In the marital bed-sharing years of 87 to 89, this irked my dad no end and was arguably behind his decision to replace my original giant-sized Seychelles Walkman from Dixon's with a Sony that came with a rewind button so that I wasn't constantly taking out my cassette, reversing it and fast-forwarding it before reinserting it so I could play Paul McCartney's Frog Chorus again. I'd have held special Christmas Abucho tournaments or its more competitive offshoot, car football. I even had a Star Wars football league comprised of Star Wars action figures that ran from 1982 to 1997. I told you, it took me a while to grow up. While it had taken some time for my dad to allow me to add to my solitary Chewbacca figure, in time my Star Wars action figure collection had grown to around 80 or so figures, and these were put into eight different teams of a seven-a-side league. Hoth, Death Star, Empire, Alderaan, Rebels, Bespin, Cup Specialist X-Wing, and Tatooine, captained by C-3PO, and arguably the greatest of all eight sides, though they never managed to win the annual Christmas Cup with the final played on, yes, you guessed it, Christmas Eve. When my mum passed away and I was alone at Mayflower, the Star Wars League came out of retirement to play a special commemorative match with the minute silence in my mum's honour so immaculately observed it actually brought tears to my eyes. Every day I open a door to my advent calendar. If you're listening to this on iTunes, then do visit holdfastnetwork.com where you'll be able to see the pictures behind the doors each day. Behind today's door 
is a picture of a Christmas card from my mum. On the cover of the card is a tree with a variety of different birds and a reindeer. It's not the most Christmassy of cards, I have to say. And then on the inside, that's my mum's handwriting. Tidy, unspectacular, clear, unlike my dad's. I managed to keep quite a few scraps of writing of my mum's. These are still with me, things like recipes. I never made any of them. I'm a lousy cook. I don't really seek to improve on that front. And even phone messages, one of which uh, simply reads, Jean-Jacques called 345. I could never hold on to a job in the 90s, so my friends knew I was uh, available to call during any part of the day. And I only actively looked for work during winter because it was easier to keep warm in an office than it was at Mayflower. I can't say with absolute certainty that this is the last card I ever got from my mum but I do know there came a point where despite lacking in maturity something not helped by going to sleep in a Z bed for my last 11 years at Mayflower when other young men my age were already creating new life I had enough about me to recognise that my mum was running out of time and that I needed to begin holding on to things to remember her by I would urge you to do the same if you have the chance Our mothers bring us into this world and the good ones, of which my mum was one, I was very lucky in that respect, will be the most important people we ever know. No one loved me like my mum did. And yet, donning my detective's cap, I sensed this might have been the last card and that there was a point being made here because by my mum's standards, it's a relatively cold card. That's not a criticism. That's just me trying to timestamp this particular card. This might be 98 or 99, by which time I'd hooked up with the first of my large-skulled, erstwhile, long-suffering girlfriends, regenerated like Doctor Who's, only to find themselves playing the same typecast, long-suffering role alongside a, a man hung up on these small things in life. There are no kisses at the end of this card, which is unusual. But it's also the way the card is addressed that I find quite striking. Danny... It's not prefaced with anything. And I think it might have been one of two things going on here. My mum deliberately distancing herself from me because I was now in a serious relationship and she felt maybe our close bond had to be broken a little. Or she was doing it in the hope that I might pick up on it. A cry for help as it was. A woman who had done everything and more for me and here I now was with someone and possibly looking to move away and leaving her in a squalid bedsit with the worst of landlords and my dad two flights of steps down, occupying two separate rooms and still hanging on to the very flimsy excuse that by moving in downstairs and ensuring there were only 12 people sharing the toilet facilities as opposed to 13 had someone else taken the bedsit, he was minimising the risk of infection. I think when I eventually moved away, albeit briefly... My dad, to put my mum at ease, remarked that the number of people sharing the toilet facilities at Mayflower was now down to 11, with both me and my sister gone. There was never a moment when I didn't think of my mum alone in those six months I lived away from Mayflower in 1999. I couldn't quite grasp the luxury of my new rented accommodation. I felt guilty about living well. It was a difficult time, even now whenever I find myself in someone's flat and I wander into a warm room or a nice bathroom and I feel the smooth walls, the heating, I touch the 
fancy bathroom taps, a fleeting touch. I've got too many OCDs to properly grip a tap. And I think of how all these luxuries were way beyond my family and how my parents might still have been here had they had these home comforts. By the time I moved back to Mayflower in the summer of 99, things had changed irrevocably. I'd noticed a change in my mum, a subtle one, but one that shocked me into one of the most intense writing periods of my life that would culminate with me securing my first TV commission just hours before my mum passed away. The greatest and worst moments of my life came within three and a half hours of each other. I'd given up living with late 90s ex and having our own bathroom to move back to the Z bed that summer. My return meant the number of people using the loo at Mayflower rose once more to the 12 mark. It was a bizarre decision on my part, but I was not strong enough to break that tie with my mum. She meant too much to me, and I think I would never be able to move on with my life while she was stuck living like she was at Mayflower. I hadn't seen her for three weeks at that time. She'd been in Spain. I'd never gone so long without seeing her. But that night when my mum returned from Spain, she looked so much older than I'd ever seen her before, and I knew that night we were running out of time. There was a distance between us in those final six months that had never been there before. I didn't understand that. And I think in that card, you can see that. She did everything for me. If there was some resentment towards me in those final few months, she was entitled to it. My mum went above and beyond for me. And she gave me the most beautiful, the most magical Christmases of my life. That card you get this year from your mum... Hang on to it. It may not mean so much this year, but one day it will take on huge significance. Let's do this again tomorrow. Daniel Ruiz Tyson's Advent Calendar is a Holdfast Network production. Visit holdfastnetwork.com or download the show on iTunes. For more of Daniel's work, visit 1607westegg.wordpress.com and you can follow him on Twitter at 1607westegg.